You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. If you listened to my last podcast, I promised we would talk all about taking a herding instinct test with Sawyer. Well, we got rained out. The sheep are safe for another couple weeks, and I will keep you posted on that front. In the meantime, I had to come up with a plan B for today's show. So I thought about that, and that's the theme of today's show, Plan B. Except in this case, we're going to talk about when your dog doesn't share your goals. Maybe you have goals for agility or performance or therapy work with your dog. What happens when your dog doesn't meet those goals? We'll talk about it after these messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. And today we're talking about Plan B, when your dog doesn't share your goals. Many years ago, I used to be an obedience consultant for an organization that trains guide dogs for the blind. We had a local chapter of puppy raisers here in my area, and the puppies would come in from another state where the organization was based, and these puppy raisers would raise the puppies for the first 14, 12 to 14 months of those puppies' lives, and they would send them back to the school to learn how to be guide dogs. It was a wonderful organization. I enjoyed working with them, and I was the obedience consultant. So all these puppy raisers would meet with me about twice a month, and we would go over all the obedience exercises that these little puppies had to learn. Well... We had big goals for these puppies. We wanted them to be able to graduate from the program and guide the blind. It was a wonderful, wonderful, selfless act that these folks do because at the end of that time, they have to give these puppies up, and that's so hard. And we had one puppy in particular I've got to tell you about. Her name was Vicky. She was a yellow Labrador. And if you've ever had a Labrador puppy, they're clinically insane. And I've had Labradors, so you have to understand that I speak this with great affection. I love Labradors. I've had two of the most wonderful labs in my life, and I have lots of friends with labs. I have lots of clients who bring me their labs to train, but they're crazy. When they're puppies, they are into everything. They have boundless energy. They, everything goes in the mouth, whether it's a toy or a cigarette But I had one client once who had a Labrador who ate his heat pump. They put everything in their mouths. And they're very, very active. Keeping a Labrador puppy's attention is quite the task. You have to make yourself much more appealing than the environment, and that's hard with any puppy. But Labrador puppies especially, they're just really busy. People love Labradors. They're one of the most popular breeds in the United States. Sometimes I think that they see the older dogs after they've settled down a bit. They don't realize that the puppies are not like that at all. Well, if you take that picture that I've just painted for you and you multiply it by 10, 
that was our little Vicky. She was the busiest little lab puppy I've seen in a long time. She was so active and so distracted and such drive. She was constantly moving and going. We used to joke that she would have to be placed with a person with a sight disability who was also a daily marathon runner in order to just tire her out. She was incessant. Well, as the training went on and she got older, this did not abate. She got worse. She was brilliant. She did all the exercises. She was sweet, bright, smart dog. But she was really, really, really energetic, busy, go, 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 go kind of girl. Well, we kept filing progress reports with the organization. And eventually it came to the decision that she was not going to meet that original goal. She just wasn't going to be a guide dog. She just didn't have the temperament suited for it. She was fearless and smart and bright, but she wasn't calm enough in order to lie down at your feet while somebody was in class or at a store or at church. She was just a busy, busy go girl. So plan A didn't work out for Vicky. However, plan B ended up being the perfect fit. We contacted local law enforcement, and she ended up being one of the state's best narc dogs. She was such a busy girl that she loved to use her nose and they trained her to smell out drugs and help stop crime and she was perfect for it. So in the case of Vicky, plan B was even better for her. It was a great fit for her. It was great for the police department. They got this donation of a wonderful dog that already had a lot of basic training and it ended up working out great. You've heard the phrase before, you know, when a door closes, a window opens or another door opens. One of those signs that always passes around on Facebook. And plan B always isn't a bad situation. Sometimes you just have to adapt. Is it okay to have goals for your dog? Absolutely. I don't see any harm in that. When I choose a new puppy for me, my goal is usually therapy work. I am very involved in animal-assisted activities and therapy. I've been involved with that for many, many years. I enjoy visiting patients with my pets. I've done it with dogs and with a cat. And when I get a new puppy in my life, that's my goal. They don't always meet that goal. Some animals are suited for it and some aren't. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But I think it's absolutely fine. And I, I think it's important to recognize what those goals are. But I also think it's really, really important to have a plan B because not every dog is going to want to do what you want it to do. You may really, really want to compete in agility or you may really, really want the perfect therapy dog or really, really want the perfect obedience rally dog. And that's great. There are things that you can do to help you see through to that goal. But you have to understand that's your goal. And I really want to emphasize the point that the dog has to want to share it. The dog has to enjoy it and love it and be well-suited for it physically, mentally, emotionally, because some dogs aren't. And when you start pushing your own agenda on your dog, that's when it gets a little sketchy. That's when it gets where you're putting your needs above that dog and it can be really detrimental to that dog. I've seen it time and time again. I was once in a situation where I was stewarding at an obedience trial and there was a terrified dog. It was a whippet. And she was absolutely scared out of her skin. And the woman was very discouraged. She had not done well in the ring because the dog had just shut down. And I asked, well, why are you doing this? She goes, well, she's got to learn. I'm thinking, why does a dog have to learn just because you want a ribbon? The dog was miserable. It wasn't a team thing. It has to be a relationship. It has to be a team goal. Your dog doesn't care if it becomes an agility dog. Your dog doesn't care if it becomes a therapy dog. They don't have career planning days in little doggy school where they think about what they want to be when they grow up. That's all us. And so we have to make sure that it's a good match. There are things that you can do to help meet those goals. 
If your goal is plan A, this is your goal, there are certain things that you can do. One is to set a realistic goal. Make sure that you're going to be able to do it and you're going to have the time and commitment to train your dog to get where it needs to go to meet that goal. The other thing is huge. It's research. Research everything. Research exactly what it takes in a dog to reach that activity. You want agility? What is it going to take? You want therapy? What is it going to take? You want a good family dog? What is it going to take? What do you want in a dog? What does your family want in a dog? Sometimes I get some clients who don't quite agree on the marital front about dogs. You know, maybe dad wants a big old strong, big drooly dog and mom wants a cute little fluff ball for her lap. And then we have a little conflict. So make sure that the family's on board or significant other or spouse, whatever. Make sure everybody's on board with that. Research exactly what it's going to take. There's so many places you can find information. If it's a sport, a dog sport that you're interested in, lots of online places. Go to the official uh, registering body for that sport. Research what it's going to take. You also need to research your dogs. Breeds were developed over hundreds of years to do specific tasks. Some of those breeds are better at certain things than others. Are there exceptions to the rule? Yes, there are. I once had a Labrador who didn't like to swim. So there are exceptions to those rules. But in general, certain breeds are going to excel at certain tasks or breed combinations. We're not going to leave those mixed breeds out because they do wonderful things. For example, I have folks that come through class sometimes that are genuinely surprised at their dog's behavior, even though as soon as they tell me what that behavior is, I recognize it as inherent in that breed. People get surprised when they're herding breeds chase things. He chases the kids. Well, he's a herding breed. They like to chase things. That's what they're bred to do. So when you research your breed, think about what breed is going to fit all those requirements that you have. There's not going to be a perfect fit necessarily, but you can find certain breeds that fit it better than others. Where do you get this information? There are lots of breed books out there. There are sources online. Be sure to vet those sources. Make sure they're reliable. But don't forget rescue. People overlook that all the time, and it is one of the best resources for information. Every breed has a rescue club or rescue organization specific to that breed. What you do is you contact them and have a heart-to-heart because those are the folks that end up with the dogs that people didn't do their research and didn't realize that their herding breeds like to chase or their terriers like to kill things or that their little toy breeds wanted to be in their lap all the time. They end up with the fallout from that. So they know all the good parts about those breeds and the bad parts. You may think that what another person finds horrible about a breed, that might be your favorite part. It's all a matter of opinion. Not every dog is suited for every person. But if you go to those rescue groups, those can be wonderful resources for how to find out exactly what that breed is really about without all the glossy stuff that they sell you sometimes and make sure that it's going to be a good fit for you. So don't forget rescue. The other thing you can do is just be picky. There is nothing wrong in being picky. You're bringing this dog into your home. This is a commitment. This is a hopefully 10 to 15, 16 year commitment that you're making with this dog. And it's okay to be picky. You're going to find some 
organizations that try to push dogs on you when they're not the ones for you. You're going to find breeders who will do that too. You have to set your feet in the sand in the cement. Sand would not be good with that. Let's make that cement. Put your feet in cement. Stand firm to your convictions and don't fall for those sweet little faces and those big brown eyes. Make sure that you have somebody with you who can be the voice of reason if you know you're going to melt into a puddle. I will tell you that every time I go looking for a puppy and uh, it has been three years now since the last one, but I always have friends ready on standby to talk me down if I need to because even as a professional, it's hard. You get surrounded by those little puppy faces or those adult faces and you just fall in love and you may start making compromises. Well, you know, I don't need it to be this way or I don't, well, yes, you do. If those are really, really important to you, those goals that you have and those criteria that you have, then go ahead and stick to it. I was once at a rescue organization looking for a cat and it was the cutest little kitten ever. He was precious and I picked him up and apparently he was a Siamese mix. And if you know Siamese, they're very talkative. And he was yowling over and over and over. And he was already getting on my nerves. <laughs> I didn't want a cat that constantly yowled at me. He was not upset or anything. He was just talkative. And so I was about to put him down and the volunteer rescue person comes rushing over. She says, oh, you have to take him home. He loves you. I said, oh, he's very sweet, but this is just not the cat for me. She actually said to me, you have to take him. He's perfect for you. He matches your hair. Like, oh, that's not really the standard I'm setting for myself here. It's a cat that matches my hair. And she was being serious. It was not a joke. I thought she was joking at first. She was not joking. So keep in mind that just as every breeder is not reputable, not every rescue organization is reputable either. So make sure that you stick to your convictions because if you're not picky, you're going to end up with an animal that you regret. And that's not fair to the animal. And it's also not fair to you or your family as well. Don't be afraid to be picky. Last tip I got for you is have a plan B. What if that dog sucks at agility? (laughs) Or what if you start agility and don't like it after all yourself? You know you got to run with the dog. That's the exhausting part. What if it doesn't really have the temperament for a therapy dog? What if, what if, what if? Go ahead and think about that ahead of time. I don't want you to be heartbroken if it doesn't work out. What is the ideal situation? You keep that dog anyway. It's a member of your family. You're already in love. It already loves you. And of course, you want to keep that dog no matter what. Does that always work out? Not necessarily. And I understand that. What I have issues with are the people that swap out dogs like they're the latest car model. And that is not anything I could personally advocate. If this dog doesn't work out, we're going to swap it out for something else. And that one doesn't work out either, so you swap it out for something else. And I find that people like that often do it frequently. They go through a lot of dogs trying to find that right one. And by swapping out, I mean they just get rid of it. But also understand this. If it is truly not the right fit for you and fit for your family, rehoming a dog is not the worst thing you can do. If that dog is going to be happier somewhere else and you do it right, you are picky about the home that it goes to and you interview them and you take references and and you care enough about that dog to find the right place for it, there is nothing wrong with that. I have clients and colleagues that have been ostracized for that and I don't think that that's fair. I think that they were actually putting the dog first and that can be hard. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you adopt a dog or you bring a dog home and it's not good with your kids and you don't know what to do about it. If you can find a better home for that dog that is appropriate and that you you research, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. Hopefully that's not your plan B, but if it has to be, it's not the end of the world. Make better choices next time and learn from that. And you could end up making another family thrilled 
with a dog as well. It may work out for everybody like it worked out for Vicky. She didn't work out in one situation, but she certainly worked out in another, and it can be better for everyone involved. We're going to talk more about different types of goals, the most common ones that I hear, and uh, how you can help plan and do that research to help meet those goals when we come back after these messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Gansert, President and CEO of American Humane Association, the country's first national humane organization. Here to tell you about our new show, Be Humane, on Pet Life Radio. Each week, we'll be bringing you the latest news and issues affecting our animal friends, and we'll also be bringing you interviews with Hollywood's biggest animal advocates, here to share tales about their pets and what they're doing to promote a more humane world. Our own highly experienced staff and friends of the organization will also join us each week to share what they're up to in the animal world. I hope you'll stop by. Until then, let's always remember to be humane. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet You're back with Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teody Anderson, and we're talking about specific goals, common goals that I hear a lot about people that they have for their dogs. Let's talk about agility. I hear that all the time. You hear people say, well, they see it on TV. And if you don't know what agility is, it's an obstacle course for dogs. There are different obstacles that they have to go through. They are timed, and the faster the dog goes through the course without making mistakes, the better the dog does. There are a variety of obstacles. There is a tunnel and a chute. A chute is, it has an opening. It starts as a tunnel, but then it has fabric on the other side, so the dog has to burrow through that. There's a dog walk that has a ramp that goes up and goes all the way across and then down the other side. There's an A-frame that looks like an A that the dog has to go up and over. There's a tire they jump through. Lots of jumps. There's lots of jumps and agility. There's a table where they have to pause for a count of five, usually, and then they can go on to the next piece. There's also weave poles. If you've ever seen a dog shot from the front with a camera going through weave poles, it is very impressive. They have to weave through those poles. It's very difficult to teach, by the way. It's one of the most challenging things to teach, but it's really beautiful to see when they really move. There's also a teeter-totter where they have to run up and go to the end and it goes down. It's really cute to see the little tiny dogs on the teeter-totter because they don't really weigh enough. They have to help weigh the, the teeter down to make it move. So agility can be a lot of fun. 
people see it and then they want to participate. It looks, it's an active sport. And sometimes you see rescue groups or breeders say this would be the perfect agility dog. But it's more than just a dog that is energetic. What you're looking for for a good agility dog is a dog that is energetic and very active dogs that like to jump. People say, oh my gosh, my dog loves to jump over my furniture. Might be a good agility dog. Usually you want a confident dog, although even if you have a shy or hesitant, maybe nervous dog, agility builds great confidence in those dogs. As they learn to go over those obstacles, it really builds their self-confidence. It's a lot of fun. So you do need a dog that is energetic and active, but that's not enough. Some people think just because their dog likes to pull them on leash or run around the yard or jump over their furniture that that's enough. And it does take more than that. They have to be physically sound. That's a lot of wear and tear on those joints, especially on those steep obstacles. So you want to make sure that dog is physically sound. And they also have to be under control. All dogs need a level of basic obedience before they can start agility because you don't want your dog getting the zoomies around the ring. That's embarrassing when they're just running around and running around. Sometimes dogs get favorite obstacles and they'll just keep going through the tunnel over and over again, which is great amusement for the crowd and horribly mortifying for you. But you want to make sure that the dog has a level of control. So you want a dog that's going to work well with you. And um, also know that you can go really far in agility. You can win ribbons and titles, and it's very exciting. There's several different organizations that sponsor agility trials. But it's also just fun to do with your dog. It's active for you. It certainly gets you out there. I'm training Sawyer in agility. Sawyer is the Belgian Tavurin. And let me tell you, he's faster than I am by a long shot. And they keep telling me to try to get ahead of him. And that is just not happening as fast as these legs can go. But it's a lot of fun. And it's something you can do even if you don't care about ribbons. You don't have to participate in shows in order to train in agility. You could just have fun. One of my favorite agility dogs ever belonged to a good friend of mine. She was a little West Highland White Terrier, and her name was Penny. And Penny was like a little old woman trapped in a young dog's body from the very get-go. She was just this little sedate, sweet, little lackadaisical little West Highland White Terrier. She was very laid back. And they would go into the ring, and it was just the funnest thing ever. She would encourage her. She'd go, 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 go. And Penny would saunter over to the jump and look at it and look at it. Bloop, then jump over. And then saunter over to the next obstacle and look at it. Bloop, do the next one. It was hysterical. She just took her sweet time. She was not in a hurry. And my friend would just encourage her. She would always time out. After a while, they blow the buzzer on you. You can't stay there all day. And she always timed out. She never got anywhere with it, I don't think. Or maybe she got some done, but not others. I can't remember the details of that. But I just remember how much fun they had together. And my friend never held it against her. She always praised her and gave her lots of attention. Penny enjoyed it. She was having a blast. She was not in a hurry. That was not her personal goal, but she had the best time. In fact, she was so cute, we nicknamed her White Lightning. Because she was so slow. She was an awesome little dog. And it was really sweet to see them together. There was something they did together and they shared. And it was beautiful. And my friend's goals were very, very different. She wanted to participate in the fun of it, but she had no interest in in titles. She didn't get upset when her dog didn't perform well. And that is always just a beautiful thing. Maybe agility isn't your thing. Maybe you don't want to run around with your dog. Maybe you do want to consider some of these performance or obedience things. Rally, competition obedience. Those are great too. You want a dog that's going to work with you. You see in obedience and even in agility, everybody gets a border collie. You don't have to have to get a border collie in order to compete in these things. But you do want a dog that works with you. If you choose a breed that is bred to be independent, 
it's just going to be harder. That's all. It's more effort on your part. Doesn't mean they can't do it. I've seen some wonderful breeds go through that are not typical breeds. They're not golden retrievers. They're not border collies. Maybe they're a basset hound. Maybe they're a Scottish terrier. Maybe they're a Great Pyrenees that are bred to be a little bit more independent, and yet they can do really well. Just know that it's going to be harder for you, and you might find it a little bit more challenging to reach those goals. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's just something else to strive for. But some dogs really enjoy it, especially Rally. Rally can be lots of fun. Rally is like a board game for dogs. You go into a ring, and there's a bunch of signs. It's a course, and each sign has a task. And in between signs, your dog has to walk politely on leash next to you, has to heal next to you. And so you go from sign to sign, and you accomplish all these tasks as you go. You are in the ring by yourself, except you and the judge, for the most part. And you're timed as well. The time, however, just goes towards if there's a tie. So whoever had the shorter time that still did just as well would win that particular round a little higher than, than the next dog. But you start off with a perfect score and it goes downhill from there as you go through the course. Obedience is similar in that there's a set pattern of activities that you have to do when you go in with your dog. And except obedience, depending on what level you're in, is going to have some group stays and, and those types of things. But they can be a lot of fun. And if you're really interested in trying that, whether or not for ribbons, it can be a good thing for you as well. Again, if you really want to pursue it well, then you might want to consider a breed that works well with you. Or when you're evaluating a dog, see how in tune he is to you. Maybe he's not one of those breeds, but maybe he's really into you and he responds well. That would be a, a good candidate for that. A really common goal that I hear about simply because of what I do is therapy work. I have been an evaluator for an organization for a very, very long time, over a decade. I've been very involved, like I said, in animal-assisted activities and therapy. And I get a lot of people who say, my dog is so sweet. I want it to be a therapy dog. And not every dog is cut out for the task. And my goal in telling you this is not to dissuade you. We need more therapy dog teams. You see them on the news helping folks after 9-11, going to nursing homes, going to hospitals, helping comfort people in hospice, helping people with all sorts of things. And it's important work. It is incredibly rewarding. But every dog isn't suited for it. To be a good therapy dog, first of all, they have to have the right temperament. They have to love everybody on site. If your dog takes a while to warm up to people, it's not an ideal therapy dog. If it likes women but not men, it's not an ideal therapy dog. These dogs truly have to love everybody the second they meet them. They have to be very confident dogs, dogs that are comfortable in a variety of settings. If you think about the average hospital, most people don't like to go to the hospital. They get the heebie-jeebies going into a hospital, and your dog can smell things you can't can hear things you can't. So it can be very overwhelming for some dogs to go into these facilities. They have to be used to loud noises and different flooring, elevators, doors that open outward and inward or sliding doors. It's a very difficult situation for some of them. But if your dog is confident and doesn't mind wheelchairs and walkers and crutches and loud noises and gurneys going by or people talking on loudspeakers, therapy work is, is much more inclined towards that dog. The other thing is that they have to be able to perform everything you ask of the dog in all those environments. Just because you have a really friendly Fluffy doesn't mean Fluffy's going to excel at being a therapy dog if she doesn't listen to you. If she's pulling you down the hall or jumps on people because she's friendly, that needs work. Now, the obedience training, I always think that's the easiest part. And it's not just because I'm a professional trainer. I think it is the easiest thing because you can train your dog. The temperament is a little harder to make up. 
If your dog's already an adult, especially, it's going to be a longer road to therapy work than for a dog that just loves everybody already. So temperament is harder to fix than just the training. If your dog is so friendly that he jumps up on people, you can fix that. You can train the dog not to do that. If your dog is terrified of people, that's not a therapy dog. They have to enjoy it because if they don't, that dog is stressed and a stressed dog will eventually be pushed to a point where he or she does not find it comfortable and may start growling, snapping, or biting in order to tell you that he's not comfortable. Learning to do therapy work is as much a job for the handler as it is the dog. You have to learn what your animal's stress signs are, how to protect that animal. Some patients could injure your dog. You need to learn how to keep your dog safe. And there's a lot to it. There's just a lot to it. It's wonderful work, but do your research, figure it out if it's something for you. Most therapy organizations will allow you to visit wherever you're comfortable. So if if kids are not your thing or if you just can't bring yourself to go to a children's hospital, go to the nursing home instead. There's a lot of different avenues for therapy work, more and more so. I think more and more hospitals are realizing that the benefit to patients is great. So more and more people are getting invited to try that. Unfortunately, some of those facilities will let any dog in, and that's not appropriate either. So find an official organization, find out the requirements. And if you have a goal for your dog to do that, make sure you both enjoy it. Years ago, I was doing testing in Charleston, South Carolina. I was evaluating teams. And a woman came through with an English Mastiff. If you've never met an English Mastiff, they are huge. They are absolutely huge dogs. They're very, very large. And this dog was scared of everything. It was so, it was breaking my heart to see this dog. And he started out okay. And he loved me. He was very sweet with me. But the test is designed to get harder and harder as the test goes on. It starts really easy and then the stress builds because we need to be able to see how you respond and how your dog responds. You're tested as a team. At no time are you put in danger. At no time is the dog put in danger. But the stress does build. And so at one point, one of the parts of the test, this particular test, was a loud noise that has to come from behind. They, they can't anticipate it. And I think we dropped a really big phone book or a big book, and it landed on the vinyl floor. This Mastiff went airborne. I didn't even know Mastiffs could do this. They're huge dogs. He leaped in the air, did a 180, and landed, quivering. And I stopped the test. I just stopped it. My point is not to push the dog till he has a heart attack. I needed to evaluate the dog for therapy work, and this dog obviously was not going to pass, and I was not going to push him any farther. Bless his heart, as we say in the South. He was scared. It was impressive physical movement. I really didn't think Mastiffs could leap like that, but he did. So I stopped the test, and I explained why I stopped the test, and, and I broke it to her very gently, and the woman started to cry. And please understand, I never want to fail somebody. I do fail them because I need to. I need to make sure that the animal and the handler are both going to be safe for visits, for patients, especially fragile patients. But my goal is never to crush anyone's dreams by any means. And so I felt awful and she was crying and and she just burst into tears. And I put my arm around her. I said, I'm so sorry. I know this obviously meant a lot to you. He's just not suited for this. He's really scared. And if we push him into going into this situation, he's going to be miserable and he could hurt somebody. He's very sweet. But if he tries to run away to get away from something, he's going to hurt somebody and he might hurt you. And she said, this is all my fault. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my husband died a year ago 
And I have been depending on this dog for everything. She said, he is my life. And I have been cooped up in my house and I've been clinging to this dog. And he's the reason why I get up because I have to feed him and I have to take him out for walks. But we stay in the house and I cry and I realize I've done this to him. I've made him scared of everything because I've been so needy and I've been so hesitant to go outside myself. Wow. So I comforted her and I told her that it was really, really brave of her to admit that to me. And I was very impressed. And it was obvious that she loved her dog very much and that he adored her and that they were okay together. And that if she wanted to explore other things with her dog, there was lots of things that she could do. But this particular goal that she had in mind wasn't one of them. She took it really, really well. She wasn't angry or anything. She took it well. And um, I think that they learned a bit about each other that day. But you just have to make sure that it's not something that you want so much. And that happens a lot in the folks that seek therapy volunteerism. They want it really badly. They really want to visit those kids with cancer. or They really want to visit those veterans. But the dog doesn't. The dog just doesn't. And we don't want those dogs under stress because dogs that are stressed can eventually bite. And we certainly don't want that. Before our very first break, I think I mentioned what the most important thing was. And, and for me, one of the most important goals I think is the one that's most often overlooked. That is the family dog. So many people say, well, I don't want to do anything. I just want a pet. I just want a pet. How can you just want a pet? This is a dog that comes into your home. You need it to be safe with your children. You need it to be your companion. And that is, I think, the most important goal you could ever have for any dog. I think that is the highest honor you can give any dog. Forget the titles. Forget the ribbons. Those are awesome. But to be your family member is one of the most wonderful honors you could bestow on any four-legged creature to come into your home. So never discount that. Never say, oh, it's just going to be a pet. That's when you got to raise the bar higher. Talked about raising the bar in the second podcast. If you're looking for a family dog... Be extra picky. Really explore yourself. Be realistic about what you're willing to put up with and what you want. Do you want a cuddle bunny? Do you want a dog that's going to snuggle with you? Do you want a dog that doesn't want to snuggle with you? Some people don't like it. Do you want a dog that's going to be active and go hiking with you and camping with you and go walking or get on the bike with you? Well, the dog doesn't get on the bike. You get on the bike. You know what I mean. Or... Do you want a couch potato because you're really not that active? Do you want a dog that's really good with people because you have lots of friends over? Do you want a dog that's really good with kids because you have grandkids or you have children? What kind of dog is going to fit best in your life? Be realistic. Consult the family. Talked about that earlier. Make sure everybody's on board. And then go find that dog. Whether you go to a responsible breeder, whether you go to rescue, go find that dog. That's going to meet that. That truly is the highest honor I think you can give a dog. And to be a family member is all important. You don't have to go for titles. You don't have to have goals of specific sports or activities to do with your dog. Just to sit with you on the couch and be your friend. I think that that's important. And most dogs would love to do that. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. But thank you so much for listening. I want to thank my producers for making the show happen. And we will hear you next time or you will listen next time on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.